Good Saturday morning. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong, and good morning to you, Bill. Good morning, Jason. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Just another fine summer weekend here, so oh, I'm, yeah. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing great. Good, good, good. Well, uh, no uh, use wasting any time. Let's get right into it. I guess the subject of today, Bill, is IRAs and asset protection through IRAs. It, it is, and, and IRAs are so important to everyone, and there are very few people who uh, do not have IRAs. And uh, the conversation today uh, applies to everyone with an IRA, not just those um, who are seniors and retired. You know, obviously, an IRA is an individual retirement account. Uh, And of course, these accounts will be even more important to young people uh, as they um, grow because it's the kind of thing where young people are sort of uh, uh, between a rock and a hard place is the fact that when they retire uh, years from now, they are going to have to depend almost entirely on whatever they have been able to save. And retirement accounts are one of the easiest places for people to save because you, in essence, don't have to pay income tax on that money which you push over into a retirement account. So uh, it makes it real easy for folks to save when they're uh, making, particularly if they're making good money. But, you know, it it doesn't take uh, a scientist to know that um, Social Security – Uh, you know, 30 years from now, is not going to have enough monthly income for people to support themselves. I mean, right now, the uh, the great majority of Americans are living solely on their Social Security check when they retire. And that's just not going to be enough uh, uh, for anyone. Mm -hmm. So if they don't have a fairly significant nest egg, they'll never be able to retire. And that's pretty scary uh, because there are an awful lot of folks that don't have an option as to whether they retire or not. (laughs) So uh, the discussion today is is, uh, pretty darn important. So, you know, one of the nice things uh, about um, life is that we get to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, every day. And I uh, always say that I try to learn something new every day. And uh, in the past, uh, in my law practice, anytime someone has asked me, uh, I would like to be able to use my retirement accounts to purchase real estate or to do something other than have their custodian invest in stocks and bonds or mutual funds, or exchange-traded funds, or you name it. And I've always said, there's a way, but you're crazy if you try to do it because you'll mess it up. And uh, at this point, I have educated myself well enough to say there is a way to self-direct your retirement accounts. And it's really important. It's, It's not something that people can do without good advice and so you know that that's where you raise you know i raise my hand and say you need me to, <laughs> <laughs> to do this is there anyone who can do th- oh yeah but yeah, the fact of the matter is is that 
it's doable. And so uh, what I wanted to talk about this morning, uh, at least initially, is uh, self-directed IRAs. But I'm not talking about the what most people think about when they say self-directed, because most people, when they think about self-directed, they're simply thinking that I will be in control of what mutual funds that uh, I purchase rather than having a financial advisor uh, pick something uh, for me. And, and even that kind of self-directed IRA uh, is helpful to folks because, generally speaking, the fees are a little bit less if you're doing it yourself, and you have a much bigger uh, world of investments in terms of just the, the mutual funds and the exchange-traded funds that you can select from, as opposed to having to select only those that your custodian gives you. So, but, but, uh, so okay, that's helpful, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the investors. Um, well, I'll give you an example, a group. Uh, there's a wonderful group called Wire. Have you ever heard of Wire? I have not heard of Wire. Well, Wire is a group, a fairly large group in this area, of women in real estate. Okay. That's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. And I've had the pleasure of, of talking to this group. Um, you know, they have lunch meetings and additional meetings, and it's a wonderful group of folks. But this is a group that wants to use their resources to invest in real estate. So they think that, and they know for themselves, that they can make more money investing in real estate because they have particular knowledge of how to make money and how to make more money by, uh, you know, and now investing in real estate can take many, many forms. It can be flipping homes you know, we, we all enjoy those shows on television uh, that, sh you know, sort of show us how to do that. Um, or it could be purchasing uh, rental properties. It, it could be a lot of different things. Uh, but it's where you have a particular knowledge where you know that you can make money. Uh, or it might be that you're particularly adept at knowing when to buy gold or silver uh, you know, commodities, uh, mm -hmm. those those kind of things. So anyway, uh, I, uh, so what I'm really talking about is a true self-directed IRA uh, plan. Um, so or it's a self-directed retirement plan. Uh, now, uh, it takes, um, you know, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to do it. it. It takes planning. It takes some legal work. Uh, and it takes a good bit of advice to make sure that you don't um, uh, violate any of the rules. Uh, and, and here's why. <laughs> Let's say that you have $100,000 in your uh, retirement account that you would like to be able to use uh, to buy some real estate. Uh, and so you go through this process and you buy real estate uh, with your money, uh, and then you unintentionally violate the rules. And, and we'll talk about some of the things that you can do to violate the rules. But I just want to make sure that people 
understand the, the consequences of not doing it correctly. Um, all right, so you violate the rules and you're 50 years old. Mm-hmm. What that, if when your custodian finds out that you have violated the rules, they will issue you a 1099 on the entire amount of the uh, self-directed IRA. So you've got $100,000 in it you will have a distribution of the entire amount of your IRA uh, that year. So your entire IRA gets, in other words, you you have a taxable distribution that year for the entire amount. Even if your violation only involved a small piece of it, you get killed. Wow. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why it's really important that if you do a self-directed IRA, a true self-directed IRA plan, that you stay well within the rules. But to the degree that you can stay within the rules, it is a great opportunity for people who want to do alternative investments. Um, and by alternative, I mean anything other than mutual funds uh, or exchange-traded funds that are available to you in your retirement account. Um, so it may be people who are unhappy about their returns. It could be people who want more investment options than they have. It may be perfect for folks who are real control freaks, those who really want absolute control of their money. Um, it may be folks who want to secure their investments that they can't really do in a, re- a normal retirement account. Um, it, it might uh, be people who've um, not set up or maxed out a health savings account uh, or a Coverdale education account. Uh, or it may be like the, the, the wire group It may be people who simply have specialized knowledge about how to make money in an alternative way. Um, And and I'll I'll give you an example. Have you ever heard of a tax certificate? Mm, Yes. You have. Mm -hmm. Tell me what it is then. I've heard of it. (laughs) You didn't say, do you know what it is? You asked me if I heard of it. Okay. Well, we really don't have these in North Carolina, but with a retirement account, you're not limited to what you can invest in in North Carolina. A number of states have tax certificates. Well, this is where someone has not um, paid their real estate tax. Okay. And, And in most areas, if you don't pay your real estate tax for a period of years, then the county... Um, or city, depending on what state you live in, and North Carolina would be a county, would foreclose on your property in order to collect their taxes that you have failed to pay. Well, in um, some states, um, a number of states, most states, you can buy what's called a tax certificate. In other words, you can prepay or you can pay these delinquent real estate taxes for another party. Well, guess what that tax certificate gives you? Uh, how about uh, is, is it possibly breaking the rules a little? No, bit? no, no. This no? is not okay. breaking the rules. This is just an alternative investment that you know. The, okay. Bottom line is, if the folks who are delinquent on their taxes uh, pay, then they pay you back what you've paid 
with 10% interest. Okay. Now, guess what? This investment is secured mm -hmm. by the real, underlying real estate. Okay. So bottom line is, is if they pay you back, you get 10% interest on your money. Well, that's pretty nice risk-free sure. investment that's higher than what most people think that they can make. And it's certainly more than a treasury bond or mm -hmm. interest on a CD. Uh, guess what happens if they don't pay you back? I don't know. You get the real estate. Ooh, that's a nice deal. I <laughs> so, like that. So the bottom line is, is that you either get 10% or you get real, the real estate. So tax certificates can be, uh, and I probably have some folks scratching their heads right now saying, ooh, we've never heard of that. But I'm just saying there are lots of alternative investments out there like that uh, that are available with a self-directed IRA, if you know about them. You can invest a self-directed IRA any way you want, subject to a few uh, uh, rules. Uh, and, of course, with uh, any, just like any other investment, you can lose every penny of it. Or you can make a whole lot more than you might make in a traditional mutual fund type investment. But uh, the point is there are a lot of folks out there who would prefer alternative investments to the stock market. And, and that's what um, makes this uh, very interesting and important to a lot of folks who can actually make this happen. Um, you know, the bad news is you need a lawyer to help you get there, <laughs> and that's one reason I'm telling folks about it is because W.G. <laughs> Alexander and Associates can do this uh, for folks. Um, but it, it does require some specialized legal documents. You still have to have a custodian, um, and it, it's a professional custodian. You can't, have, you can't be your own custodian, uh, but you can have control of the checkbook uh, in terms of your investments if, if you do this correctly. Uh, and it, it requires um, counseling, if not ongoing counseling, because at least in my experience, I have seen where when people get legal advice, uh, they hear what they want to hear and mm -hmm. they forget what they, the bad parts of what they don't want to hear uh, oftentimes. And um, so it's and this is the kind of thing that's that's ongoing it's it's not that you can't violate the rules the first year you can't violate the rules at any time ever uh so it's the kind of thing where you need a constant reminder of stay within the rules and this is how you stay within the rules um uh, but anyway those those are uh, some of the things that um uh you need uh to consider now Let's say that actually you like the possibility of, of just continuing to invest in mutual funds or individual shares of stock. You can also do that with all or part of your uh, of a true self-directed IRA, um, and you might do it simply to lower fees. Uh, because in most IRAs, you're paying fairly substantial fees. In a self-directed IRA, the only thing that you are paying to the custodian, you're not paying a percentage anymore. You're paying a transaction fee 
for each transaction that, that you do. And that's for far less money than what a, a typical person would pay uh, as a percentage in terms of a custodian managing or your um, retirement account. Yeah, and we're going to continue our discussion on self-directed IRAs in just a bit. If this has piqued your fancy at all, you may want to make your way over to WGALaw.com to find more information about Bill. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. You can find more about Bill at WGALaw.com. And today we're talking all about IRAs and in in particular self-directed IRAs. But Bill, these aren't the self-directed IRAs that most people probably think about, right? Uh, Correct. So these are truly self-directed IRAs, and it's a different league, if you will. Um, But uh, one of the good things about these self-directed IRAs is that there are very, very few investments that are actually prohibited, okay? Um, And I'll I'll give you an example of a prohibited um, um, investment option, collectibles. Hmm. You know, let's say that you're an expert uh, on uh, antique cars. Well— that's probably going to be a prohibited trans. Now, car dealership, fine, but in terms of just a collectible, uh, that's not going to work. And and part of the reason is that that would not work is because uh, there has to be absolutely no self-dealing in any kind of investment with your self-directed IRA. Well, guess what? If you bought an antique car and, you, you know, in other words, you uh, you paid very little for it. You knew it was much more valuable than what you paid for it. Well, that's the kind of investment that makes sense. But the bottom line is, is that who's going to buy something like that as a collectible and not ride in it or not drive it or not use it? Well, that's called self-dealing. Uh, and uh, with a self-directed IRA, you would even be prohibited from washing it. So it's the it has to be totally uh, 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 separate mm-hmm. from anything that you might want or enjoy. Um, real estate is not prohibited, but you can't purchase real estate that you intend to use. So you can't buy rental property that at the beach that you plan to use when it's unoccupied. If you go down there for a week uh, because it's unoccupied, that that time, even though it's great rental property, you've just violated the rules. And if the custodian finds that you've done that, then you're going to get that 1099. So (laughs) no self-dealing whatsoever. Another thing with real estate, for instance, let's say that um, uh, you're a plumber and you've bought some rental real estate and uh, you have a, a plumbing problem. And so instead of calling a plumber, you go over there and fix it yourself. Guess what? That's self-dealing. You've just violated the rules. And that's this is why I'm saying that while this can be one of the most advantageous things that people have ever seen, there are you have to do it the right way for it to uh, actually be wonderful for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the self-dealing rule is a really important rule. Uh, so um, no self-dealing, um, no collectibles, um, 
you cannot purchase life insurance with your retirement accounts. That's prohibited. Nor can you invest in an S corporation. So that would be prohibited as well. But virtually anything else, you know, out there, you know, buying real estate, buying mobile homes, buying, um, you know, virtually anything that you want to do, flipping houses, uh, buying apartments, um, whatever, is um, uh, potential. And here's another thing. If you do it correctly, you can mix property. Now, it is prohibited in a normal IRA to mix non-IRA property with IRA property. But if you set these things up at the beginning, now once you set it up, you can't change it, but let's say uh, you have $100,000 of IRA assets and $100,000 of non-IRA assets, you can set this up uh, where um, you – it can be contributed to uh, the type of entity that's required uh, and $100,000 from each side. And so the IRA owns half of what is invested in. And you have to do it so that that percentage never changes. Mm-hmm. So that's a limitation. But the bottom line is is that this is the only way that you can actually have your retirement account and other in investment property uh, put together, you know, because let's say you need $200,000 to buy an apartment building, um, and so you can put it together, and that works. That's intriguing, is it not? That certainly is. Well, I mean, that gives people even more advantage in terms of being able to use their retirement account uh, as a um, way to do this. Now, obviously, um, this is even a greater advantage to younger people um, because it gives them uh, a better opportunity to grow at a, a at larger um, uh, percentages, if mm-hmm. you will, than than what a typical investment uh, track would give you. But uh, it d- doesn't mean that seniors can't do it. It just means that when you reach seventy and a half, you have minimum required distributions from your retirement account. So there has to be some cash that can be distributed out of your retirement account at at that point in order to meet those minimum distribution rules. But for most folks, uh, that would not be a problem as it relates to a true self-directed IRA. Yeah, and that'd be great. And again, you just got to follow those rules. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the important part. Well, we'll continue our conversation on self-directed IRAs in just a bit. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I'm Jason Kong and having a discussion this morning on self-directed IRAs. And Bill, you've you've dropped some serious knowledge here so far this morning, but uh, this is kind of just the beginning for you. I think people are going to have a chance to learn more about this soon. Well, this is a topic that I think is so important uh, to folks uh, and gives folks, um, it's going to give folks a lot to think about, but uh, I intend to uh, actually do a public seminar locally in Raleigh uh, probably about six to eight weeks from now on this topic, self-directed IRAs and how it, how it works, 
so that people can get actually comfortable with it and do it right. I've, I've had a lot of uh, conversations in the past, and, I, and quite frankly, I've steered people away from it. Now uh, I'm ready to encourage people to, to do it because I think as long as they know these rules and know, know them well and, and they are, uh, stick by the rules, then it, it gives some great opportunities for folks. Yeah, that sounds exciting. And uh, we encourage people to keep checking back on Asset Protection today, every Saturday morning at 11, uh, to get more updates on when this seminar will take place. Great. So, uh, we'll, we'll definitely let you know. Well, Bill, what else do we need to know about these self-directed IRAs? Well, let's just stay on IRAs okay. because IRAs are really important. And, um, and I'd like to get in front of some new tax laws that, while they haven't been passed yet, uh, I, I do think that we're going to see some fairly significant changes to the tax rules as they relate to inherited IRAs. Um, so what's the law now? The law now is is that I can leave my IRA uh, to my spouse, and my, uh, and that's obviously if we're married – we can do that. And our spouse has a lot of flexibility as to what to do with an IRA f- received from a husband or wife. But we can also leave our IRA to our children uh, and uh, or grandchildren or anybody else that we want to leave it to. And to the degree that we leave it to anyone else other than our spouse, that's an inherited IRA. Okay. And a lot of folks like to set up um, uh, where an inherited IRA is stretched. So a lot of folks do what we call an IRA trust uh, so that they can be assured that their children will stretch their retirement accounts rather than taking it in one lump sum and paying the income tax all in one year. Now, with an inherited IRA, let's say that a 40-year-old inherits uh, their parent IRA. Um, that 40-year-old will have a minimum required distribution every year from the first year until they die. So it's not like a regular IRA where you don't have required distributions until you're 70 and a half. Mm-hmm. In other words, if a child or grandchild inherits it, they have a minimum required distribution from year one, and that's a big difference. But the, but that is everyone knows, uh, there's no prohibition to taking it all in one year. And that's what scares parents and grandparents in terms of uh, a child who's a spendthrift or not uh, good with money might do with an inherited IRA. So an IRA trust can be extremely helpful. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because uh, we're expecting a rule change. We know it's already unanimously passed the Senate committee. Unanimous, that tells you something, Mm -hmm. okay? So we see changes down the road on this. And what's what's the big rule change? The big rule change that we should see enacted sometime this year is that uh, any inherited IRA – over $450,000 will have a five-year distribution rule, not a lifetime distribution rule. Mm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. So any, anyway, in other words, if you 
let's say that you have a smaller IRA and you inherit $300,000. Well, th- I mean, that's a lot of money to all of us, but I'm just simply saying that I've seen lots of clients that have multi-million dollar retirement accounts or, or uh, you know, at, you know, seven, eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand, million and a half, whatever. That's not uncommon anymore, mm-hmm. as it relates to retirement accounts. So, uh, to the degree now, let's say you have three children, and they all inherit three hundred thousand dollars. Guess what? That's five-year rule. Not, in other words, it's the entire amount of your IRA that determines what the tax structure will be to the children or grandchildren who receive it. Does that make sense? That does make sense. So it's it's the kind of thing – What now, what does that mean to folks? It basically means that if you have um, more than $450,000, then it, it means that you may want to convert to a Roth – for anything that's over that, because obviously uh, the first 450 is going to have the five-year rule. Roth is where you convert and pay the tax now. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if you have a large estate converting to now, if you have a taxable estate, you know, right now the estate tax is on large estates that, that doesn't affect most of us, but those who are in that top one percent who have a um, net worth of over $5.49 million, they obviously have uh, estate tax issues, and they generally have a fairly large retirement accounts as well. With anybody who has in that bracket large retirement accounts should, in fact, convert to Roth to reduce their net worth because they're paying the income tax early is what they're doing. Mm Um, of course, there's nothing better for a child or a grandchild uh, than to receive a Roth IRA because when they pull the money out, there's no income tax on it. Right. That's that's one of the really nice things. So the bottom line is, and, and this is something that we hope to help people with, is when this rule comes about, it's going to be how to structure conversions to Roth IRAs for those really large uh, retirement accounts. And so I just wanted to tickle folks' uh, brain a little bit in terms of, okay, this is coming down the road soon. And if you're in, you know, if you have one of those large uh, IRAs, then it's important um, that it be structured in such a way that um, that you – but, well, let me put it this way. Income tax planning is really important to folks. People don't like to pay taxes. And um, so the way you structure your retirement account can have a significant uh, impact or blessing to your children if you do it the right way. Yep. And with uh, potential changes coming down the road, planning and preparing is even more important. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Stick around. Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I am Jason Kong, and uh, don't forget you can catch Bill tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. on the CW22 with his TV show, Money Secrets. And this is uh, another opportunity for people to uh, soak up your knowledge. Bill. Well, it's a lot of fun for me to do that. And we would certainly encourage folks to watch the show. 
Um, but we hope we hope folks are, like the show and will tell their friends about it, uh, not just the money secrets, but asset protection today as well. Sure, sure. You, they can learn a ton about stuff like IRAs, like what we're learning today. Mm-hmm. Well, here again, I'm going to tell folks something that they will never hear from their financial advisor Uh-oh. as it relates to a retirement account. Here we go. I'm turning up your microphone a little okay. bit. Okay. So it, you have to understand that most financial advisors, almost all of them, will tell you just to take your minimum distributions from your IRA and don't take anything out before you're 70 and a half. 70 and a half is when you're required to start taking minimum required distributions. And most financial advisors say, oh, you're crazy. You have to pay income tax if you take it out early. But what they're really saying is we want as much money in that account as as you can possibly keep there because that's how we make our money. Right. <laughs> in other words, they basically make their money based on how much they have under their management. And so – uh, financial advisors don't tell you, oh, take it out and go ahead and spend it. Okay, so what I'm going to say to folks who are over 59 and a half, because there are some exceptions to the rules where you can take IRA money out prior to 59 and a half and not pay the 10% penalty. Um, but once you're 59 and a half, you can basically take as much or as little of your retirement accounts with no penalty whatsoever. The only bad news is that you have to pay income tax, ordinary income tax, on every penny that you take out. Right. Okay. So the that has its disadvantages, okay? So most folks say, well, why would I want to take it out early? Well, part of it is, are you retired? And, are, you know, what's, what's your income stream? Well, there, I mean, while it's becoming less favorable, there are a lot of folks who retire in their late 50s and early 60s. Well, if you don't have that big income stream coming in, um, what's your tax rate? And the tax rate is, is the biggie. So the, the other reason that you may want to be looking at it is for the reason I just talked about a few minutes ago. You may have... One of those situations where you need to convert from an ordinary uh, retirement account to a Roth IRA. So you have to pay the income tax when you convert. Uh, On anything you convert, you have to pay ordinary income tax on the entire amount. So you're talking about income tax planning here, okay? Um, uh, So uh, now, what's another reason why... You may want to take out retirement account money, um, in, um, you know, prior to 70 and a half. Well, truthfully, most people um, will do better using their retirement account money and delaying their Social Security election. So, yes, you can take your Social Security at 62, but those who do are making a huge financial mistake Unless, one of two things, unless they're starving and they don't have any other source of revenue other than Social Security, that's one valid reason for taking it, or they're very sick. In other words, they know that their life expectancy is much shorter 
than the normal life expectancy. But if, you, if you're 62 years old and in great health, or 65 years old, or 66 years old, and in great health, and it, you're expecting a normal plus life expectancy, you're absolutely crazy to take your Social Security early. And in fact, most cases, or at least with most couples, one of the two should be waiting until 70 to take their Social Security. Well, let's say that because they're not taking Social Security, they are retired, do they have enough money? Well, if they have a pension, they may have enough money without taking Social Security for those few years. Uh, but if not, they may have to look at their retirement accounts. But if you do, if you run the numbers, uh, most people will do far better um, using their retirement accounts to live on and delaying their Social Security simply because uh, with, with the Social Security delay, each year you're guaranteed an increase of 8% on your, retire, on your Social Security account. Well, a guaranteed 8% is far better than most people do in their retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. And if, so if you just run the numbers based on what your uh, uh, investment experience is in your retirement accounts, uh, then it makes sense to um, use that for that purpose. Okay. But what's another reason why people might want to think about their retirement accounts? Well, Typically, for a married couple, uh, both people are um, alive mm-hmm. in their 60s, <laughs> right? Would that sure that that be the truth for most of us? Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you something that you know already, but you don't think about as it relates to when you take your Social Security. Did you know that the tax rates are different for married couples than they are for single people? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's here's why it makes a difference. Okay. If you're in the 10% bracket, you know, some retired people are, for a single person, you know, once you go over $9,000 of income, you're in the 15% bracket. Well, for a married couple, you have to be over $18,000 of income to be in the 15% bracket, okay? So truthfully, there are an awful lot of married couples who are in the either the 10% or the 15% bracket mm-hmm. because they, you know, they're retired. They don't have that earned income anymore. Well, here's the, here's the probably the more important bracket. For a single person, if you um, you have to be under thirty seven thousand dollars to be in the fifteen percent bracket. So a single person that anything over thirty seven thousand is in guess what the twenty five percent bracket. Right. Well, for a married couple, you have to be over seventy five thousand dollars to go to the 25% bracket. Well, here's where, you know, it becomes a challenge because guess what? Sometimes when your spouse dies, your income doesn't drop that much. It drops a little bit, but not much. Mm -hmm. So what I'm getting at is let's say that together um, you have income of $60,000, all right? Uh, well, guess what? 
you and your spouse are in the 15% bracket because you're under $75,000. But when your spouse dies, let's say that your income drops to $45,000. That would be very common for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? The surviving spouse has just gone from the 15% bracket to the 25% bracket. Well, and guess what? IRA distributions now are going to be taxed at what bracket? 25%. As opposed to? 15. Well, that's a big difference. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that's the kind of thing where a, a, a little math, uh, also, you know, recognizing none of us know when God's going to call us, but, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where when you put these things together— Sometimes it makes really good sense to be using your IRA funds in your 60s um, so that you, when you have minimum required distributions in your 70s, that you're at a lower tax rate. And, and so that's tax rates is what income tax planning is, is all about. Yes, we do that at WG Alexander and Associates for our clients that – that uh, look for that kind of planning. And yes, this is a little different than what most folks are going to get from their financial advisor. So these are just some things for folks to think about that is very different than what they would normally read or hear. Yeah. And if you are looking for some advice, I encourage you to go to WGALaw.com to find more information there. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him at WGALaw.com. And Bill, uh, this was a, a really fascinating show. Um, well, I like to give folks things that are useful to them and, and helpful to them. And, and a lot of the things that we talk about are not the kind of things that other advisors uh, even know about or will tell you about. Um, so anyway, it, I have a lot of fun with this. And I, I will also want to thank folks because I get I do get a good number of cards and thank you notes from folks um, regarding this show. Uh, and it, it encourages me to keep doing it. <laughs> so well, I, I enjoy it, uh, and it's a lot of fun for me to be able to share this with folks. Um, well, well, you do a, a great job, and uh, it's, it's no surprise that you get those letters. And uh, For that fact, we'll, we'll keep doing this. How about we do it again next oh, week? Oh, yeah, we'll be back. Very good. We'll see you next Saturday at 11. Thank you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.